Well, welcome. Once again, we are thankful that you have chosen to worship with us today. I know that um, that can sometimes be risky and sometimes you don't feel like it, but you are here. You have made that commitment, so thank you. The series that we are in is called One Another, the Movement of Biblical Community. And as we have been considering moving toward one another in love, today we're actually going to look at one of the roadblocks to moving toward one another in love. And it comes from James, chapter 4, verse 11, and here's the scripture for today. Well, we're going to read many, but this will be one of them. James 4, 11 says this, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. It also echoes the ninth commandment. Let's put that on the screen from Exodus 20. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Don't slander, don't give false testimony. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you will bless your word. It is true, and it is relevant today, even as it was thousands of years ago. So, Lord, will you use it to shape, to mold our lives, that we might love you more deeply and follow you more faithfully. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. The dictionary defines slander as making a false statement that is damaging to a person's reputation, okay? So that's what slander is, right? Let me just, from the outset, distinguish this from gossip. Gossip is spreading of information. It can be spreading of true information, but in a way that damages one another. Slander is spreading lies, spreading false information that damages others. Um, Here's a few headlines from the last couple of weeks. Um, You know, it's the NBA playoffs. I haven't really been watching them, actually. But this is, as I just trolled some headlines, here's what I found. Uh, NBA players are taking to social media more and more, obviously, like everybody else is. But they're doing it to repeatedly harass players. And this headline appeared. DeMarcus Cousins is done with the Paul George slander. Another headline, not from the NBA, but from West Palm Beach. Botox doc sues patient for slander. A woman allegedly took to Google and Yelp to slander her med spa, then had her family and friends who were never patients also post negative reviews. Right? We live in a culture in which we love to spread information, including bad or false information, slanderous information about people. We live in a culture of mistrust in a culture of outrage, in a culture of an us-versus-them mentality. And this cultural soup that we live in, this buffet, feeds our appetites of slander. And then slander contributes to it. And it probably shapes us more than we're willing to admit, or more than we first think. I want to ask three questions today. So this is kind of, if you're looking for some structure and want to take notes, here's the three questions I'm asking. What does slander look like, both in its obvious and obscure ways? Second, why do we like slander so much? And third, why doesn't God like it? First question, what does slander look like? I want to actually put up a slide from the Heidelberg Catechism, question 112, um, because catechisms are made to kind of take a commandment and then explain it and, and, and further. And so I think this is helpful for us to look at. This is the ninth commandment, right? Um, you know, not to bear false witness. And so the catechism asks, what is the aim of the ninth commandment? And the answer is that I never give false testimony against anyone 
twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing. Rather, in court and everywhere else, I should avoid lying and deceit of every kind. These are the very devices the devil uses, and they would call down on me God's intense wrath. I should love the truth, speak it candidly, openly acknowledge it, and do what I can to guard and advance my neighbor's good name. Wow, there's a lot in there. I mean, more than we'll cover today, but that might be worth you just pondering on, and you can Google it and look up Heidelberg Catechism Question 112. But I want to ask this question, what are the obvious forms of slander, and what are the obscure forms? So here's a couple of things that are obvious, right? Obvious forms of slander. Parents, your parents ask you, the child, okay, to do something, or something's gone missing, or whatever it is, and, um, and they say, hey, what happened? It, it seems that something's missing. Did you take something? And you say, no, I didn't take anything, and you blame it on your brother or sister. Must have been them, not me right? So you're lying first, denying truth, and then you're slandering somebody else's good name suggesting they did it, right? So there you go, two things right off the bat, right? Or another way you might do this is if, let's assume the same thing, maybe you've taken something and, and you, you don't slander your brother or sister, you just directly slander your parents. Mom, dad, you're so old, what's going on? You must be crazy losing your minds. I never touched that, right? And now you're slandering them to defend your good name from what you took. Or another way to do it is just maybe just make up some totally crazy story about someone that you don't like just to damage his or her reputation, right? And you're just like, I don't know, I just don't like that person and and I'm taking this fact, but I'm going to add these three lies with it and spread this out there so that this person is hurt by it because I can't believe how badly they hurt me. Right? And, and so those are ways we would slander. Those are, I think, are pretty obvious ways. And, and we could go on with that list and, and list more of those. But, but I also want us to think about some of the obscure ways that may be more subtle than salacious. Think about a few of these. Do I share funny memes that are false and hurtful to others? Like you get a good laugh at it. It's not about you, but then you share it. But it's actually false and damaging to another. Like, well, I'm just sharing it. Well, yeah, that's sharing information, spreading words, right? Here's another one. Do I purposefully reconstruct the facts of narratives routinely in order to make my point? Right? If you're reconstructing facts, changing those or adding to them in order to make your point, make your case stronger, you're not dealing with just the facts. You're dealing with other things you've thrown in there. Is that something you do? Here's one that's hard for me. Is it difficult to guard and advance my neighbor's good name? Like maybe you have a neighbor that you're not fond of. And then you're talking about neighbors with other people. And you're like, let me tell you about my neighbor. And you quickly throw that neighbor under the bus. Right? Do you guard their good name or do you, do you not? Do I, here's another one. Do I assume the worst about those who are different than me? 
Let me say that again. Do I assume the worst about those who are different me? They, they may be different ethnically or politically or religiously or whatever. They're from a different state. I don't know, and you don't like that state. But do I assume the worst about those who are different than me? Just think about that for a second, what you're actually doing. If you are assuming the worst about somebody that's different than you, what you are doing is creating a false narrative in your own mind, assuming the worst that you don't know, and you're helping feed that culture of mistrust, you're helping feed that culture of outrage and slander, right? You're slandering internally in your own mind by assuming the worst of others. I, you know, I recently went to General Assembly. I've uh, sent out an email. Many of you got that about that. It was a just kind of high-level summary. Um, but in General Assembly, which is the national conference for our denomination, we debate different issues, right? And there's things that come up, and we're like, okay, what are we going to do about this or that and, and so forth? And, you know, it's one of those things that I don't enjoy in terms of format because it's like 2,000 people all with a clicker ready to vote with Robert's Rules of Order, suspending motions, tabling motions, substitute motions, you know, and like I'm like my head's swimming and I'm like, okay, it's, it's important, but, you know, it's not the thing I love to do. But I go because I think it's a thing I should do. Anyways, when you're in the middle of that, and you vote on an issue one way, and somebody you know votes on the issue the other way, it's easy to attribute motives. Like, why in the world would you do that? I mean, didn't you see how clear this was? Why would you vote that way? Um, it's easy to assume and to attribute motives to people to portray them in harsh ways when speaking to others. And one of the things that I felt like I was urged and actually encouraged by this uh, General Assembly was to be charitable, assuming the best of others. You can certainly go talk and ask why they did things and understand facts, have a discussion, but not to just assume the worst and thereby slander them in that, even in my own mind, if not to others. And look, I think that is, was a good thing about this assembly, that, that there was a lot of charity in it. Um, and I think that's important because that is a must if you are going to trust one another and have unity to work together even when there's a diversity of views on things. Now, the reason I bring that up is because most of you probably don't care too much about General Assembly, but you do care about your relationships. You probably do care about church, and I know you care about your country. And in that, we see the same thing. People have different opinions from you, different sides of issues, right? And so it's easy to be, not be gracious, to not be charitable, to not assume the best, but to assume the worst. And when you do that, you are feeding the slanderous nature. You're feeding the one in you that says, oh yes, I'm just going to spread the lies. I'm gonna, you're feeding the cancel culture that attributes the worst to people, that vilifies others and slanders others. And I don't think we should be doing that, Right? I mean, if that's the way you think about things and you hear somebody on a different political side of the argument, you're like, well, that's because they're this, this, and this, and you've just made all these assumptions about it without asking that person, and maybe they're not this, this, and this. Maybe they're this, but not those other three. Or maybe they're none of those things. What you've done is made a prejudgment in your mind in which you are ready to slander them, and then when you share it with somebody else, whether it's in person or on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whichever new thing's coming out that you've got to move to because you hate the other one, you're doing the same thing. And it does not help a culture 
that is polarizing already, for, sometimes for very different value set reasons, I get that, but it doesn't help to try to say, how will we understand, be generous, kind, and love one another, even with differences? Again, I'm not saying all differences are equal. I'm talking about how we approach that, right? And if our attitude is to assume the worst and slander, you'll just further create divides, build walls, separate, not be gracious or generous or gentle in your answers or your words. Let me come to the second question, and that is, why do we slander? What's in it for us? The bottom line is this. You and I are glory seekers. We want what is good for us, and that's the first and usually the last question we ask. And it's natural. We look through our own eyeballs, right? It's like, okay, here I am. I'm aware of myself. What does myself need? Self needs this. You and I are glory seekers. It's the way we work. It's the way we're wired. And so we go after what we think we want and what's good for us. And we think that slander then promotes our reputation. This is good for me because it's not good for them. And so it's better for me. Right? And what that does actually is views the world in a, a scarcity mindset. That if somebody's got something that you don't have and you think, well, that's not fair, I want it, so I'm going to slander them to put their good name down and make my name go up, you're assuming a world of scarcity. God deals in a world of grace, an abundance of grace. There's plenty of grace to give out. It's not like if you give grace to a person like you're out of it and there's no grace left for you. No! God pours out grace over and over again. People, reasons that we slander people? How about this? Sometimes I might slander because I like to control or hurt people. And that would be a quest for power, right? If I'm wanting to control or hurt somebody, it might be a quest for power or revenge. Maybe I want to elevate myself, and one way to do that is by demeaning others. That's a quest for status, to be known for reputation. Maybe you slander thinking, I, I like the feel of, of influencing and shaping narratives and stories and reality, which in a way is a quest for fame. It can be a quest for truth too, but you, if you like that feeling of shaping those things, the danger is you use false information to shape those to get what you want because you think what you want is best. And then you think, well, the end justifies the means. And the truth is, in Scripture, the end does not justify the means. For something to be good, it must have a good end, but the means must be done in a good way too for it to be a good act. In some ways, the things that you want, those, those quests for those different things, are godlike desires. Think about this for a second. We're talking about slander. We're talking about lying, using words that have power for reputation, for influence, to shape things. What is it that God did at the very beginning? He spoke the world into existence. That's a powerful world. word. That's a shaping word. We would love that kind of power with our words to shape. Oh man, preachers, right? This is what we do. We speak using power of words and we have to be careful that we don't slander others in it. So I think those are some of the reasons why we like slander and why it subtly, obscurely can kind of creep in and feed into our, our, into our souls. 
The other thing that happens, I think, sometimes, as I said, the end does not justify the means, is that sometimes we so badly believe in an issue where it's a real issue. There's a real injustice, and we need correction, and we want correction, and that correction might be directed at society. It might be directed at the church where the church has erred in different ways, been blind to things that they've done that have not been helpful and good for society. And so there's a real issue of justice, a real issue that needs to be addressed. And we want that so badly to work that we're willing to share things on Facebook or with other people or whatever it is that are slanderous, that are false, that are inserting of of bad information, of, of things that aren't real, of sharing, you know, certain satirical news stories as if they were true and like, what? This is crazy. And when you do that, you're thinking... It's okay, if you do that, thinking it's okay to do this because it works toward this good end and we will win them at all cost them, which is a new Latin phrase I've made up, then that mindset is one in which you're saying, doesn't matter, slander's great, lying's great, cheating, whatever I have to do to get to the top, whether that's in business, whether that's in the world with different issues, whether that's with your coworker, whatever it is. And that's dangerous. It's dangerous not because of what you're doing, but because of what you may become. As Bono, the front man for U2, once said in a concert, we must be careful in our efforts to confront the monster, not to ourselves become the monster. Right? And that can so easily happen. So many of you wish the world were a different and better place. I know I do. And if you want to make it a better place, it starts with you, Christians. It starts with you and what you're going to do and how you will treat others. Be known as the one who responds with grace. And how do you do this? You stop slingering and you start asking different difficult questions when somebody is talking to you with information you think may be slanderous. You could stop and say, hey, have you shared this concern with the person directly? Why do I need to know this information right now? Is it that you want me to help pursue reconciliation because there's a problem? Okay, then I'll help you do that. But if you're just sharing it to, to vent, maybe what you need to do is go talk to the person directly about it. That's what Scripture instructs us to do, what Jesus told us to do. And those are good kinds of questions to ask. Uh, let me just kind of pause for a second, push the pause button, and, and address something different that, that may, maybe you're wondering, I'm not sure, but I want to be clear in this, and it's this. Slander is untrue and damaging information. Untrue and damaging information. There is such a thing as true information that is damaging and sometimes needs to be shared, okay? And, and that's a different scenario. And that scenario is, Sometimes a person's real sins, real failures are such a nature that they become necessary for public sake and for somebody's protection to share them with the proper authorities so that justice is done, so that individual safety is protected. It's necessary to report confirmed documented sin and abuse to appropriate authorities. I am not saying in Do Not Slander that you don't share information that is harmful at all. Information that is harmful, but what is true should be shared to the proper people that it needs to be shared to. 
okay? That's another thing on the side, but I just want to be clear on that. We're talking about spreading information that's not true, that words you've twisted, words that you're lying about, adding facts to distort or to make your case. And so let's go to that last question, the third question. Why does God not like, why does God care so much about this issue of slander? You may be thinking, well, I don't know, does he really care that much about it? I want to show you some more scripture verses. This is Proverbs. Let's put this on the screen. Proverbs 6, verses 16 to 19. There are six things the Lord hates. In case you're not aware, that term is like, means you don't like something when you hate it, right? God hates this. He does not like it. He's strongly opposed to this. Oh, actually seven that are detestable to him. There's many things not on this list, but here's what it is. Let's go on to the next slide. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Now, three of those seven things were about words and lying God does not like that. Why is God, why does he make it the ninth commandment not to lie? Why is this such a big deal? What is the big deal? It's just a little untruth. A little white lie never hurt anybody, right? That's the saying that I heard from my parents or grandparents or somebody, I don't know, whatever it used to be said that I haven't heard in 50 years. Well, that's not true. Anyways. Why is it a big deal? How do we think about that? In the Garden of Eden, what's the first interaction that happens that's not between people and God? You remember that? In Genesis 3, there's a serpent who comes to them. Satan comes to them, to Adam and Eve, in the form of a serpent. And what does Satan do? He twists God's word And then says, did God really say this? He comes and he slanders God's good name to Adam and Eve. Satan gets involved in killing a reputation of God right away before Adam and Eve. He's the deceiver. He's the liar and the accuser. It's why John says in chapter 8, verse 44, put that on the screen for us if you would. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. What he is saying is this is Satan's MO, to totally distort, to create new narratives, new stories, to lead people astray. This is why God cares about this, because when Satan slanders, it is character assassination on the Lord God Almighty, and he won't stand for it. God defends his name, even to his own people who have failed him. In Isaiah 48, let's put this verse on the screen, verses 9 to 11, the people begin sinning, walking away from God, and this is what he says, for my own name's sake. I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you so as not to destroy you completely. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake, I do this. 
How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. God is clearly saying, my name matters. Because it is my character. And I will not yield my glory to another. I am the promise-making, covenant-keeping God, and I will do it. This is why God cares so much about slander, because when in society everybody slanders, then nobody trusts one another, and nobody then trusts God's word, and he seeks again and again to prove he is faithful and true. Notice when we lie to or about God and slander him, what does God do? He responds with his word. The promise-making, covenant-keeping God responds with his word. Put John 1.14 on the screen for me, please. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. When we go against God and his ways, when we slander, what is God's response? It is to defend his good name and to send his word in the flesh, in person. Jesus comes to say, no, here's the glory of the Father. This is the very character and nature of God. And Jesus comes and lives in such a way that demonstrates that for us. He does not slander. He defends his good name. You see, because slander undermines relationships. Trust and honesty is the foundation to any good relationship. You must have good communication in that. And slander cuts away at that foundation again and again and erodes the relationship, whether it's in society, whether it's in your marriage, or whether it's your relationship with God. It's the nature of sin. It's what Satan wants you to do, to doubt, to twist, to make lies and stories. And what Jesus does, please see this. He defends your bad name because of his good name. Put Revelation 12 on the screen for me. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters, speaking of Satan, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. And verse 11 says, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. You see the good news there? This is good news. This is great news. The best news ever. God will not slander anyone's name. He won't. He will tell the truth about their name. If you do not know God, if you are not covered by the blood of Jesus, if you're not united to him, you have a reputation. God will make that reputation known. You will be judged by it. If you know Jesus, if you're covered by your sins, guess what? Jesus stands there and defends your bad name with his good name because you have been united to him, you have been baptized into him, and you have taken on his name. You and he are linked together eternally forever so that whatever the future and fortunes of Jesus are yours. And he says, ah, no, you cannot accuse him. He is covered 
by my good name. He's covered by my good name. When you've blown it again, when you've lied to your parents again, when you've slandered a coworker or someone on Facebook, you should stop. Because God does not treat you that way. He pours out his grace upon you. He speaks to defend you against the accuser. As much as the devil, the accuser, is pointing out the wrong things we've done, Jesus is defending us. As the reformer Martin Luther said, Satan, you may accuse and point your finger at Jesus. Let me rest in peace, for on his shoulders, not mine, are all my sins. I'm trying to control my diet and waistline, and I'm not grossly out of shape or anything. I get that, but it's so easy just to not be disciplined, and I can fluctuate in weight pretty quickly in a matter of days. I can go 5 to 10 pounds one direction. And so I've been trying to do some intermittent fasting. And um, I'm not very good at it. I was doing okay on Wednesday and Thursday. I'm doing pretty good. And uh, Friday, one of the staff said, hey, I got a box of Krispy Kreme donuts for a dollar today. They're in the kitchen. I show up, get a cup of coffee. Like, I love donuts. I cannot say no to donuts. So I get a donut with my cup of coffee. I'm like, that was so good. Brian comes in the kitchen and hadn't had one yet, gets a donut, warms it up. And I was like, I didn't do that to my donut. I think I've made a critical mistake. How long did you warm yours up for? So I put another donut in the microwave, warm that one up. Oh my goodness, that was so good. For the coffee, by the way, seven seconds is perfect for a room temperature donut in the microwave. Um, I'll tell you how I know that in a second. So we needed to move. You've noticed the patio's under construction out there because we're, it's being redone. And so we had to move a bunch of the benches. So I helped Brian and we carried him to the playground. And it was hot, hotter than whatever. And we're sweating. And I was like, Brian, I think I worked off enough calories for another donut. <laughs> so I had three Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah. And then dessert that night too. Anyways... This isn't really all about my dieting woes, but I am telling you that for a reason. Because I think many of us, like, like we either, we try all the time or we go in spurts where we're, like, trying to be careful about our diet and our health. And that might be in the form of exercise, what we're doing, our diet or whatever. And I wonder, what if we thought about slander like a diet? Right? What if we think about the things that we consume that we swallow down the stories, the narratives, the lies? What if we think about those in the same way we think about a diet and think, wow, what, what, what does that do to me? How does that affect my spiritual health and my physical health? The more we indulge in slander and lies and outrage and truth-twisting, tw- truth I think the more we get prone to do the same thing, to pack on a few more pounds of it, so to speak, to have a third donut after you only tried to have one. Our tongues will grow fat on juicy stories. Right? But on the other hand, if we take time to consume the stories of beauty and redemption, if we taste and see that the Lord is good, as the Psalms tell us to, then I bet we would look and talk differently. And perhaps 
we might just change our relationships, our community, maybe even our world, if Christians would do that. Christian, you want to make a difference? You want to be known for something? Be one who can respond in truth with gentleness, not with slanderous stories and spreading of lies. Brothers and sisters, don't slander. Guard one another's good name. That's how you be like God, because that's what he does for you. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you will help us to truly think about the ways we are prone to slander. It's easy for us to sing that we're prone to wander, but Lord, it's probably true that we're prone to slander, that we spread and twist things, we weave tales that aren't true. And Lord, in so doing, it might taste good for a little while, but it hurts relationships. Help us to value those relationships and help us to know deep within our hearts that you protect our names because we are covered by your name. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.